Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Have you gone to maybe a party or a friend's house or a get-together and you showed up, you're like, I don't think I was invited. Everyone is looking at me strange. Ever been there? I I have, but I just make the best of it. I'm here. You know, it's it's too late now. I'm not going home. Let's party. But but you've ever felt like there's no space. You've ever felt like there's no room. I, I don't think that the church should ever be a place where you feel like there is no room and you feel like there is no space for you. I feel like when we come together as the church, there's always room and there's always space for you. I mean, I'm a big believer of that. Like, I don't think like when we, I get into the kingdom, the Lord is going to look at me and say, Rego, I kind of have to walk you through something. We, I, I did the math wrong and there is no space. There is no room. I, I don't think so. I think uh, he's making dwelling places and he's making mansions and he's making places just fit for, with your name on it. There's room for you. Now, as you stand, look at, look at a few people and just give them a high five. Give them a hug and say, there's room for you. There's space for you. There's room for you. And there's space for you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. You may be seated once you gave a few people a high five and you let them know that there was room, that there was some space for them. Amen. 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 God is good. And all the time. Praise the Lord. All right. If you could open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Please turn your Bibles to Luke 22 and stay right there. We're going to read it in a few moments. We're going to read it in Luke chapter 22. And, 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 I, and I opened up with saying, have you ever felt like there's no space? And I want you to know that as we go through this message, there's some, a truth that I want every single person here to get. And this is the truth. He has made space for us. And I hope you get that and you're going to see in what way Christ has made space for us. And I know specifically he's made space for us. For the reason that you and I are his bride. All right, that stinks. I'm excited to be his bride. You've ever, you've ever, you've ever been to a wedding? You've, you've seen probably just the lead up to the bride. It's a special moment. Uh, I've been able to officiate many weddings, and, and it's, I always like to get there early and, 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 and to see the bride before she goes down. Is, are you ready? And, and to see the nervousness of the groom, to see all the feelings that are going on there, but, but there's something special, you know, when you, when you look at the bride, and think about some famous brides. We, I, I got some pictures here, uh, just to kind of introduce my message here. You probably recognize some famous weddings, and I, I've heard, because I wasn't necessarily around, like, for this, but I heard, like, when she got married, uh, Princess Diana, I heard, like, all of the world just stopped, you know, and everyone paused, and everyone wanted to see the royal wedding, and and that was a big ordeal. How many of you here were able to see? Uh, I shouldn't do that, right? Should I not? Okay. Should I? Should I? Can I is it cool? All right, you guys are cool with that stuff? All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being awesome with that. All right. um, but, um, but, I mean, I've seen it on YouTube, right? We've seen, we've seen it. 
it's been recorded, and um, and that was a special moment. That was uh, um, the whole world just stopped, and uh, I mean, what, what a moment that was from where she was at. There, there's more famous brides that we could think of. How about this one? Right, that's the last one, the last royal wedding, and 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 everyone remembers that one, and and a bunch of celebrities showed up to that one, and then of course we remember Kate. And what's this guy's name again? I forget the prince's names. I mean, William and what? This is William. Yeah, the other one's Harry. That's right. So so William, and um, but but wait a minute. But what about that bride? And you, yeah, he went a little too fast over there. I wanted to build it a little bit, but 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 there is no bride like that bride. You know what stinks? She's been sitting here the whole entire time. And at this moment, she's not in the room. <laughs> when I needed her to be here the most. So keep that handy. Because if I'm talking about a whole other topic, I'm just going to say, how about this picture? And I want you guys just to erupt with me. And, um, and this was me on my day looking at my beloved's eyes. And my bride's eyes. A special day for me, the groom. For sure. I know, though, that when a lot of people went over there, yeah, maybe a few people wanted to see me, you know, whatever. But I know most of the individuals invited wanted to see that bride right there. They wanted to see her walk down the sands because we got married at the beach. And, and, and she look, I think she looks beautiful, and, and she still does. And, and, and I think that moment right there is just a special moment. But, you know, to get to this place, there's some stories on this side of us to get on this end. <laughs> yeah, there is. And since this day, there's been some stories on this side of us that adds to that picture. On both sides of this picture, there's a story to tell. But I wanted just to brag for a little bit on my bride and uh, just to testify on this. Because... Every single one of us, though you have been physically married or not or never will be or you maybe you will be, it doesn't matter. Because if you read scripture, you're looking at it wrong. Every single one of us will walk in this wedding one day. We will all one day be married to Christ if you are the bride of Jesus Christ. We long, yes, for that physical love and we long for that physical touch. But I'm telling you that there is a beloved and there is a groom that is preparing and the feast is being made and the wedding will sound. I mean, we will enter into a great wedding feast. And just like, put that picture back up. Just this, I mean, I don't care. I'm cool with leaving it the whole entire Sunday. Might just let me and help me preach better. But, but. But, but, but I believe this, okay, as I was longing for this day and as the bride was preparing herself for this day, I know that it's the same thing today that Christ is longing to look into his beloved's eyes in all eternity and the beloved should be longing so much that she's living in preparation until the great day of the wedding feast with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you can say, he's making space for me, I'm walking down an aisle, I'm going to start preparing my dress I'm gonna start getting ready yeah come on Nancy come in <laughs> all right Luke chapter 22 we'll put it up when she comes in remember the remember the homework assignment classwork all right Luke chapter 22 let's go ahead and, and let's go to that and we're gonna go to start off in verse 14 in Luke 22 14 and in Luke chapter 22 verse 14 we're gonna we're going to see something very important, something very special in Scripture. I hope you learned something today. 
Because as I was preparing this message, I was not going to go this route, but God took me to this. And what's beautiful is that we're going to take the Lord's Supper right at the end of this message. If you did not receive elements of the Lord's Supper, a little cup like this with some juice in the bottom and some crackers, you should, you should have. Anyone did not receive some of this and you want to take the Lord's Supper later with us, just raise your hand as we go on. And they're going to walk around and make sure that everyone um, has one. I took yours, Tito. Sorry. <laughs> so... Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Are we there? All right, let's read it. This is the institution of the Lord's Supper. What does this have to do with the bride? What does it have to do with anything of the bride and the beloved and the groom? She's coming in. Amen. Let's show that picture one more time of the beloved and the bride. I mean, you, you don't see, yeah, you don't see a, a bride that good. Love, I spent 20 minutes, the whole introduction of this, as my wife just walks in. Speaking of you, my bride, but you're going to have to now, you're forced to listen to the podcast. Amen. <laughs> All right, Luke 14, <laughs> Luke 22, verse 14. Let's get into the text here. Institution of the Lord's Supper, verse 14. It says, when the hour had come, I'm reading from the New King James, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. A very important verse in that passage. A very important verse. What is he saying? He's saying this. I want to eat and I want to drink with you, but I'm not doing this again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Make sure you understand that. Verse 17. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, listen to this, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Again, I'm not going to drink of this cup until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, and he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, and look what he says to them. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Verse 23. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. God's word. And we all say, love it. Now, why did I want to read this passage and the whole flow of the institution of the Lord's Supper? Well, there's some very important things there that you need to catch. Specifically tied to this message, I would say maybe verse 16 and verse 18. When he says this, I no longer will eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and he divided it among, among themselves. Verse 18, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes, he tells them. Verse 16 and 18 are so important, these verses. Because he's not eating and he's not drinking again. Specifically, he's speaking here about eating and drinking with his bride until the kingdom of God comes and is fulfilled. 
In Matthew chapter 26, verse 29, very similar, Matthew says it this way. Matthew 26, 29, he says, But I say to you, I will not drink of, the, of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I, drink it in, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Man. I won't drink it until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So what is, what, is, what is Christ doing in the institution of the Lord's Supper? Do you think he's just breaking bread and passing out wine just to eat and drink and say, yo, this is the last time we'll catch each other on the other side of this? Trust me, it's so much deeper than that. He's doing something specific which is described here in Luke 22 and as we read in Matthew 26 that will have closure and we will have a greater meaning as we read Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read Revelation 19, just verse 9. I could read the whole chapter, but look at verse 9 for a moment. Revelation 19.9 says this. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called, look what he calls it, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Why is Revelation 19 and why did I take out verse 9? Why is this verse and this chapter so important to Matthew 26, 29 and to Luke 22, verses 14 through 23? Because what we're seeing in Revelation 19 is the, what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's also known as what others would call the Messianic banquet. You and I will attend the Messianic banquet. You and I one day will attend, like, I really want you to put yourself in this position, ready? You will escape this earth, and you will attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is a time, when, when, when you read Revelation 19, it's a time of joyous feasting, to be enjoyed, specifically by the church, by the overcomers. It talks in Revelation about these overcomers who reign with Jesus. And, and, and the key to be this overcomer and to participate in this wedding banquet is those who have been faithful to God. I said last week, faithful until the end. Why? Because there is a feast that we will enter if you're faithful until the end. He's making room for you. He's making room. Listen, there is space for you. This message is titled, The Bridal Payment. There's space for you through this bridal payment. So, so what's happening here, it's this, that the Lord's Supper was a feast. A time when he will eat and drink with his beloved. And then he tells them, I'm going to do it again, but at some point in the future when I'm united again with you, he tells the bride. And when I'm united again with you, Revelation 19 teaches us that when he is united again with us, it is called the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Messianic banquet. And, and in this Messianic banquet, it's not the only time we see it in Scripture, this Messianic banquet. You see, when Jesus would say this on as he's instituting the Lord's Supper, as Jesus says these words, I no longer will eat until, until it's fulfilled until the kingdom of God. And when he says, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. When Jesus says those phrases specifically, 
the audience, specifically the 12 disciples, knew exactly what he was talking about. You want to know why? Because I believe they knew Isaiah chapter 25. Should I read Isaiah 25? Isaiah 25 verse 6. I'm going to start off verse 6. He says this. On this mountain, this is a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah from the, to the banquet that is to come. On this mountain, if you remember the revelator, John the Re revelator, he, would, he was taken up to the word of God. Okay, you got to read Revelation. He was taken up to the mountain of God where the visions were seen, where the, where, where the mysteries were revealed of the book of Revelation. Do you remember that? Does that ring a bell that he was taken up to the mountain of God? No? All right, good. Stay with me. Isaiah 25 verse 6 says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. I like rich food. I like expensive meat. So since I can't eat it all the time, when I do eat it, I really enjoy it. The kids are having a blast. Love that. It's good. That's a good sound. A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, expensive. Of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples. The veil that is spread over all the nations. Verse 8. He will swallow up death forever. I know that it's talking about eternity. Oh, death, where is your sting? Even the psalmist says. He wipes out tears in eternity. Revelation teaches us this. Look what he says in verse 8. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God, same thing that Revelation says and on the end days or in the moment where we're in eternity with him, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Man, it's, it's echoing what Revelation says. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Everyone say the Lord has spoken. The Lord. Oh my God. And it will be said on that day. Listen to verse 9. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. What does it sound like? That he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. You can't sing that song if you're not the bride. Because the courting has begun. The courting has begun. I'm not waiting for Jesus to court me. The courting has begun. <laughs> it's beautiful, the process that we're going through with Jesus. Any brides? All right, let's keep going into this. So what's really happening with Jesus, with his disciples? What's really happening here with Jesus and us? You see... I read Luke 22, and I don't think Luke 22 is just about that moment on that day with Jesus and his disciples. I actually believe that the word of God is still living, yes, is still living today, meaning it's the same yesterday, it's today, and forevermore. I believe that it's the inerrant, infallible word of God. I believe that it still sharpens today. I believe it's still, it's still forth for correction and teaching. I believe all these things. So I believe that Luke 22 was not just a story for us to read about Jesus and his disciples, but it's also a story to apply to Jesus and his bride. 
So what's happening in Luke 22 between us and Jesus? Well, I believe that there's meaning here. And I believe that there's imagery here in the Lord's Supper that we can never miss. Let me teach you here for a moment. See, we must remember the writers of Scripture. The writers are Jewish. Do we, do we know that? And they're writing from a Jewish perspective. And not only are they Jewish writing from a Jewish perspective, but number three, as they write from a Jewish perspective, they are submerged in Jewish culture. We have to remember that about the writers of the Bible. So why did I say that? Because in Jewish culture, there was something called the bridal payment. The bridal payment. Everyone say bridal payment. Um, another word for bridal payment would be called the bride price. The bride price. The bride price. I think we might pay a little bit of a different price for our brides today. We don't buy them. But we pay a price. We pay a price in the midst of the courting to get her to this place right here. Let's just do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a story on the other end of that that takes you to that place. There's a bridal price. You know, I talk about the bride, but have you ever considered, I'm going to, the, the bride is a beautiful woman. Let me show you a picture of the bride. Let's put the other picture we have. Look at the bride. Man. For those that are hearing online, that's a picture of our church coming together and praying. A bunch of people from our church. That's the bride. In, in this bride, can we just, come on, let me go down there with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm far from y'all. I don't hear you guys saying amen and all that stuff, so I feel like I'm far. <laughs> but in that picture right there, we see a lot of what? We see prayer, obviously, and all that. You see long hair there. Amanda has long hair. Man. No, but we see, we see something beautiful, don't we? Even in our differences. Some are taller, some are shorter. Some are thin bone, some are big bone. I think in this picture, there's a lot of, um, there's even um, some, some difficulty. And we could say, man, even in the bride... We can see moments of dysfunction. And bride with me? Anyone with me? Oh, because you all married a perfect bride. That's what it is. Oh, my bad. And she married a perfect groom. My bad. But on this picture, there's a lot of, um, there's some beautiful and there's a lot of good, but I'm sure there's a lot of, Ugh. and there's a lot of yuck. And there's a like, oh, I don't want to hang out with that. Bro. And there's a lot of, Ugh. but then there's a lot of, Wow. And that's the beauty of the bride because it shows us how deep the love of Christ goes. This is a beautiful bride, by the way. This is a beautiful picture of the beloved. Let, let, me, let me walk you through something here when it talks about the bridal payment, the bridal price. See, when it was time for a man and a woman to marry, both fathers would come together. And both In our days, in our culture today, we don't see that. You, you still see some of this in other cultures, okay? You still see this. So both fathers come together, and what they do is, this is crazy, they negotiate the bride price. Imagine being the father of the bride, and they give you a low offer. <laughs> now she's worth more than that. Both fathers negotiate until they come to an agreement, 
And, and in the process of this negotiation, they're, they're recognizing, or, or a better word is they're acknowledging something. And what they're acknowledging is that this bride who is going to be taken, uh, it's a bride that, it, it, to the family, it's a precious loss. It's a precious loss to the family. So, so that came into the negotiation. Uh, I want to give you a great example in the Old Testament of a bridal price, of a bridal payment. Today's message is titled The Bridal Payment. And I want to give you one. It's one where Abraham is old and he can't travel. So he sends his servant with his power, his authority to do something specific. And what he wants is he wants his servant to find the wife for his son Isaac. And I want you to look at this transaction. Tell me if you learned something. Genesis chapter 24. Let's read verses 50 through 54. Here is a bridal payment transaction between Abraham and Isaac's wife's father. Here we go. Verse 50. Then Laban... And Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. So he's going to bring forth his daughter. You take her and go and let her be your master's, talking to the servant. So your master's son's wife, Abraham's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Verse 52. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard these words. Look what he does. He worships the Lord bows himself to the earth for 53 what does a servant do he brings out it says the servant brought out jewelry of silver jewelry of gold and clothing what is he doing he's making a payment he brought out silver gold clothing and he gave them to rebecca he gave them to their house and he gave precious things to her brother and to her mother and when you read verse 53 he's making payments payments on his master Abraham's behalf. Verse 54, and he and the men, he's, he is an ambassador, the servant. The servant is an ambassador. He's a representation of Abraham. So when I say he, he is speaking as well of Abraham. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night and they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. I have good news. This is a bridal payment, a bridal price that took place in the Old Testament. So what would happen now? As we get into a main point, I'm going to go back to Luke 22. The groom, the soon-to-be groom, where is he at? He's, Isaac's at home. Like, I hope he brings good news, that I hope she's fly, I hope she's pretty. He would make a proposal, and this is what the groom would do. He would take a cup of wine, uh, specifically one that his, bro his father would bring out, drinking from it, and he would drink it, and then he would offer it to the woman. And this was a symbolic transaction, saying that he wanted now to make a covenant with her, and that he would be willing to give his life for her. The father would offer his son the wine. He would drink of the wine from the same cup. He would give it to his beloved um, or the one he's engaging to. And from there, he would drink of this wine from the same glass. And he was telling her, I'm going to give my life for you. Now, if the woman accepts the proposal, what she would do is she would seal the engagement by taking the glass of wine, the cup of wine that he's giving to her, and he would, she would drink of it. And from that moment, she was referred to well, as one who had begun or the process of being bought at a price. So the father eventually will give the son the right to go to the bride. 
So he will come out of the father's house and he will step before the bride and he will take what is symbolic for the... What? What's the wine symbolic for? If any of you want to come after me, you must eat my flesh and you must drink my... You must drink my... You know who he's talking to there? He's talking to his bride. Who here is my bride? If you're my bride, you would drink from this blood. So, the, so he would come from the father's house, take the glass of wine, symbolic for the blood, and if she takes that glass and drinks from it, the process has begun. She is bought with a price. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 and 20. Let's go back to this again. Luke twenty-two nineteen 19 says, And he took bread... Jesus gave thanks and he broke it and he gives it to them. And then he says, this is my body which is given for you and you do this in remembrance of me. I'm laying down my life for you. Verse 20. Wait, wait a minute. In a second we're going to do this today. Let me ask you a question real quick. Has the Lord's Supper ceased since the times of the disciples? It has not ceased. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is my new covenant. Look what he calls the cup of wine now. It's my blood and it's a blood that is shed for you. Now, this is crazy. Let me tell you why it's crazy. Because he's talking about a wine, a, a, a wine thing, wine bottle, whatever. And he says, this that I'm going to pass around this table is for you. And he goes to describe what it is. It's my blood, the new covenant. Can you imagine hearing that? So, so it's the same thing he would say in John 6. If you got, you're going to come to me, if you're going to share in this intimacy, if you're going to share in this process, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's the same thing he's saying in his preaching in John 6 that he's ending his life with in Luke 22. Because on both instances, he's speaking and he's calling out his bride to drink and take the, to take the wine. See, this is the night before his crucifixion. I want everyone to understand. Luke 22 is the night before the crucifixion. And what is Christ doing? Hopefully you're catching this already. He's communicating his deep love, not just for the disciples. Listen, Jesus is communicating his deep love for you and I. Jesus is communicating his deep love for us. And what he's doing is, in communicating his deep love, because he's Jewish and he's drenched with Jewish culture and he knows about the ways of, the Jew, of Judaism, he does something that the audience recognizes and knows exactly what he's doing when he gives his blood. His blood was not just about Calvary and he was going to shed his blood. His blood was also something more, something very symbolic. It's imagery. And he's illustrating it through this imagery of a Jewish wedding. And he's comparing himself to the bridegroom who has paid a steep a heavy a costly price for his bride Christ takes the cup of wine during the last supper and he tells his disciples what take this cup the new covenant my blood it is poured out for you I wrote this down I wonder I believe many of them did I wonder if the disciples recognized the imagery that this wasn't just a casual dinner where we're going to break bread and drink some wine what Jesus was doing at this moment was he was putting forth a marriage proposal for generations to come drink of my blood for this is the new covenant 
He's not just saying here, have a glass of wine and be merry, drink and be happy and eat of this bread and fill your belly. What he's doing is he's putting a ring on beloved's hand and he says, would you be mine? And each one drank from the cup. Oh Lord, oh Lord, let us sit at your right hand and at your left hand. And he says, what are you able to drink from the cup that I offer? Many of us have translated that as wrath. How about now we start translating that as a wedding proposal? We always look at that cup as a cup of wrath. We get it. And in part it is because that's the price he paid. So they're related to one another. The proposal and the wrath. I get it. But how about when he tells the sons of Zebedee in the book of John when they ask, let me sit at your right and one at your left. And he looks at them and he says, you don't know what you asked, John. You don't know what you asked, James. That's for my father to give. But let me ask you some questions. Are you able to drink from the cup that I'm giving you? He's basically saying, are you saying yes? Because if you say yes, I'm making space for you, baby. It's a bridal payment. When he tells them, are you able to drink my cup? He's saying, when I get on my knee, will you say yes? And if you say yes, understand that when you drink from it, this wine that represents my blood, it's very expensive. It's going to cost my life. Let's Come on, let's connect all the scripture together. Greater love has no man than this. Greater love has no husband than this. Than to lay down his life for another. The greatest love that beloved displayed was to lay down his life for his beloved. There's space for you. There's a marriage proposal happening in Luke. Luke 22, write this down in your Bible. It's a marriage proposal. Can I ask you a question? What does Judas do? In the process of... In the process of the disciples ready to drink from the cup, what is Judas about to do? What is he going to do? He's going to run out. You know why he's running out? Because his answer is no. I'm not marrying you. For you can't serve two. You'll love one more than the other. Man, the scripture, everything's entwined because, because I can't have two. Scripture's calling me to have one. Because if not, I might love one more than the other. I'm dedicated to one. I'm appointed to one. And he says, you can't serve mammon, you can't serve money, and you can't serve me because then you'll be in love with one more than the other. And what Judas does is he doesn't accept the marriage proposal. He accepts the money and he runs to his beloved, which was money. He said yes to the proposal of the religious leaders for money. And he said no to the proposal of the lamb that was going to give him his blood. Come on, where are you? Seriously, where are you in life? There is space for you. The bridal payment, there is space for you. You guys learning anything today? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. 
as they accept the cup from Jesus, they are in effect, what they're doing is they're sealing the engagement. And they're showing that their acceptance, they're, they're showing their commitment to him and they say, give me that cup. I am yours and you are mine. As the disciples receive and begin to understand this, they begin to encounter the depths of Jesus' love. Please listen to me because there's space for you. It's a love so deep that is so pure. He made a covenant with them and he was willing to give his life and that was the bride price. That was the bridal payment, a price that he paid for us. He gave his life, his body, he gave his blood. Can we think of another scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Do you know that my wife is not her own? Seriously. My wife is not her own. To the point that her last name carries my last name now. The Bible says, two leave father and mothers and they become one. We belong now to each other just like I am not my own. And giving her my name, it's a representation of I'm giving her my life. I'm laying it down. Look what he says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is with you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Paul's writing this to the church, verse 20, to specific people, the bride. And verse 20 says, for you were bought at a what is he saying there? There was a bridal payment. God, you should see what I feel on the inside of me. Like my chest is like bouncing. For you were bought at a price. And, and since you're bought at a price, what do you do? You glorify God in your body, in your spirit, all of you. Because it's all God's. So after his proposal, after this engagement, the groom now, does anyone know what the groom does? Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Does anyone know what the groom does? A little bit different maybe than our culture here in Hialeah. <laughs> Jewish writers, Jewish culture submerged in it, Jewish perspectives, amen? When the proposal was made, did he just kick it with her? Like, oh, I just want to like stay with you now forever. That's what's happened. People have um, infected the whole proposal to the wedding. They, like, they, they've blurred it. They've made it. Nah, let's not even get into that. They've, some people have made, they make, we make decisions to lessen the, the, the beauty of that day of marriage. So what does the, what does the groom do? The groom leaves his soon-to-be wife. His fiancée or fiancée, right? And what he does now is something very special. He leaves her, but for a specific reason. Not to go lay down on the couch and watch TV till she comes home. You know these men that uh, the woman always has to serve them? Now, just in case you knew one of those men. But, but do, you know, <laughs> do you know what the groom does? The groom 
goes, leaves his beloved, his fiance, and he goes to be, begin to make arrangements for her. He works hard. He begins to prepare. Isn't that crazy? The groom just gave his life for her, and yet he's still preparing? The least that she can do is live worthy and prepared for my beloved is on the other side and he's preparing an amazing feast for me. So the groom leaves his beloved and his fiance and prepares and makes arrangements and, and he's preparing a place for us and, and in return, we're called to live worthy. Everyone say live worthy. Yeah, you're, you, listen, you're called to live worthy. You know when you're called to live worthy? Until the what? Same thing as faithful. Until the what? To the end. What does that mean? You go and you live worthy until the return of his bride. You live worthy. Let me read some passages here for you. Maybe you'll like this. John 14, Jesus' very own words, verse 1 and 2. He says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Everyone with me, right? Look at verse 2 now. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Everyone say mansions. How many of you thought about an elevator in a house, four, four stories? How many of you thought about an amazing courtyard? And all you can do, the best of your ability, is think carnally and think with an earthly mindset. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Look what he says next. If it were not so, he's talking to his beloved, I would have told you. Look what he tells her next. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, how many mansions are there? Many mansions. Do you know what the word mansions means? In the ESV, it says it this way. The ESV says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. In my father's house, there is plenty of room for you in my father's home. Verse 3, ready? In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Everyone, listen, there's space for you. Look at verse 3. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, what does he say next? My God. I will what? I will come again. Don't let anyone snatch the engagement off and win you with the new engagement. You stay and you live worthy because your beloved is coming back to take you by the hand with the wine that you just drank that sealed the covenant. Leave the ring on. I'm coming back for you. And this is such a beautiful picture. I'm going. I'm leaving. What is he telling her? I'm leaving you for a while, but I won't be gone forever. At the end, he's so good and he's so gracious. He says that as I go to be with the Father, I'll send one and he'll come and comfort you and he'll come and dwell in you. And he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside. And yet still, when he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father and prepare a place for us, he doesn't leave us alone because we are his. And he is ours. And if I go, verse 3, prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself. This is such a beautiful, I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. Right now, I'm not with you. But remember these words because there's a day, baby, when I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you again. And this is a beautiful picture because as he takes his bride again, 
Not just because she's beautiful, it's just the beautiful imagery. But as, as he takes the bride, he, the verse is so important, and he says this to her, where I am, there you'll also be. I'm going to receive you, not just to the rest of the world, not just for the earthly relationships. I'm going to receive you fully to myself. Wherever I am, you are there. Wherever you are, I am there. What is he telling his bride, his beloved? This will be an internal seal that will never be cut off ever again. You are mine and I am yours. I'm telling you right now, there's a bridal payment. There was a bridal payment. The blood still runs deep and there is space for you. So, so, so the, the beautiful thing is, is that are you living condemned? Are you living confused? Are you living lost in sin? Whatever else, how are you living? How many of you are so out there? How many of you are so out there that you feel, come on, I'm being very honest. I'm going to talk to a deep part of your heart right now. How many of you are so out there that you feel, that you feel that there is no space for you? And you come to church and you try. And you get on your knees and you try to pray. And you open the word and you try to read. And everything that you've done, you feel like when I seek him, I try my best, but I feel like there's no room. Ever been there? Maybe it's a discouragement. Maybe it's a f- something you went through in childhood. Maybe, maybe it's something that you've gone through recently. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's your upbringing. Maybe, maybe it's a story that you have shame to talk about. But he says something so important, I'm going to receive you to myself. Wherever I am, you're there. Wherever you are, I'm there. The Lord, your groom, makes space for you. He has rooms and he has, a, he has many rooms in my father's house. What does that mean? It's not just one room. I have so much space and I'm making space and I have a room that is set up specifically for you. There are mansions, a.k.a. there are dwelling places. Another word that we know for dwelling is there are tabernacles. What does that mean? Eternity is more than just an elevator in the house. Eternity is more than just a courtyard. Eternity is more than just your 10,000 acre or, 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 or your five, whatever it is, acre land. Eternity, eternity is tabernacle. It's dwelling. It is what? That he tabernacles with you and you tabernacle with him. Your many mansions is that Christ never ceases from tabernacling with his beloved. I'm about to give her a kiss right now, man. It's, 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 it's. You, the, 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 it never ceases. And that's what eternity is. Eternity is, this is forever. The tabernacle is forever. I dwell with you. You dwell with me. When I say there are many mansions, there are many dwelling places, there are many tabernacles. And what I mean by that is the tabernacle never ceases. It's, it's me dwelling with you and you dwelling with me. I mean, what a beautiful picture. Amen. Next week, you know, why, why is this so important? Next week, we'll, we'll discuss the bride. And we'll discuss that the bride is to live worthy. And we'll discuss all those things. And it's going to be a special Sunday next Sunday. So cancel your 4th of July pans and be here. All right. 
I'll be here. And he prepares our dwelling places. But I want you to read what Paul reads. Look at what he reads, uh, writes if, to Ephesus. Ephesians 4. Wow, look at that picture, man. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Mm. The very first time that I saw your brown eyes. All right. Oh, you got to sanctify it. Keep it sanctified. All right, Ephesians 4, 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. He, you know who he's writing to here? The church. You know who he's writing to here? The bride. And what is he, what is Paul? What is Paul, the ambassador of Christ? Of Christ? What is he telling the bride? I, Paul, I am a prisoner for the Lord. I am enchained to the Lord. I am what? All I live for is for his will. So I have a what? A word for you. Who's it from? From, the engage, from, from your beloved. From the one that proposed to you. And he says this, ready? Walk. I urge you to walk. I encourage you to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. To which you have been called. Come here, what have you been called to? I've been called to be the bride of Christ on this land. So what do you do as the bride of Christ? You walk worthy of the call of the bride. What does that look like? How's your wedding dress look? Let it be without spot. Let it be without blemish. Prepare yourselves. Clean yourselves with the word of God daily. Prepare your garments. Prepare yourselves, your attitude, your characteristics, your justification of sins that you do. And oh, we're just being real. Man, stop justifying all those little sins and begin to purify yourself. For you are called for such a high call to walk on this land as his bride who he's coming back for. He writes to Colossiae something very similar in chapter 1 verses 10 through 12. He says this. Paul, same prisoner of the Lord, that you may walk worthy, worthy of your beloved, worthy of your fiance, worthy of him, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and suffering with joy. Hey, what is he saying? In your waiting, in your process, in your living worthy, listen, you need long suffering. It's going to be something. Because you know what's going to happen? The family members will be there and say, do you really think he loves you? Do you really think he's coming back for you? Do you really think all that stuff is real? Haven't you thought that you took it a little too far? And have long suffering. Walk worthy. Live, man. Live in this. Strengthen with all your might. In verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Thank you, Father, that you chose this bride for your son, Jesus. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that till right now. <clears throat> I did not even think about it till right now. The Father looked upon this land and says, she will be my son's bride. Put that picture up again of the, of the beautiful, not this beautiful bride, but the beautiful brides. She. That you would walk worthy. He tells that group right there of the Lord, please him, please your beloved, please 
the one who has given you the ring. Please him. Be fruitful in every good work. Increase in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened with all might. Have patience and long suffering with joy and give thanks to the Father. He's qualified you, church. You, bride, to be a partaker of an inheritance of the saints in the light. I am part of something special, yeah. Yes, we are. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up real quick, but I want to read something again. Let's turn to Isaiah 25 again. We're, I'll just read it. We'll put it up on the screen. I read it from the ESV earlier, but I'm going to read it right now from Eugene Peterson's perspective. And look, what, look how he says it. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9 says, But here on this mountain, God of the angel armies will throw a feast for all the people in the world of the world. A feast of the finest foods, a feast with vintage wines. The invitation is for all people to come to a feast of seven courses, a feast lavish with gourmet desserts. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over the people's the shadow of doom darkening all nations. Yes, he'll banish death forever. And God will wipe the tears from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people wherever they are. Yes, God says so. With the ESV says, for the Lord has spoken. As we get ready to just close up here. I want you to think about this for a moment. The Lord's Supper is not just like, hey, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me now. Do this in remembrance of me is not just hey, fellowship and break bread together and all that. Do this in remembrance of me was remember that I'm your groom and you're my bride. Do this in remembrance of me. You've accepted the, the proposal. You are my bride. And when my church gathers, you do this in remembrance of me. You do this as a reminder that your groom hasn't left you. All I am is preparing places for you. And there's going to be a moment where we're going to go to a great wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to enter a feast. And I'm going to be with you and you're going to be with me. And the beautiful thing about this is that I paid the, the bride's price, the bride's payment and because of that because I paid for the bride's payments my father and I were in this together and I want you to know that there is space for you there is so much room for you in my father's house there are so many rooms that we're going to tabernacle in you feel inadequate you feel unworthy you feel ashamed you feel dirty you feel heavy you feel sick you feel least less you look at men a lot so you always feel like I can never get to where that person's at 
you know that you never have to get to where someone's at you have to just be where God's at how many of you could just take this invitation today we could do this in remembrance of him and it's a reminder of accepting the wedding proposal the marriage proposal that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine how many of you need to take that step today and say I'm the bride of Christ and Lord here's my life I, I'm going to eat of this bread and I'm going to drink of this juice and I'm saying yes to my beloved there is space for me there is space for me can you stand with me and with all reverence all reverence you want to follow me he says you want to seek me you want to come after me you really want to come after me he says you must eat my flesh you must drink my blood what he's doing is presence and I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. There's people in here that struggle with their minds, struggle with fears, struggle with sin, struggle with appearance. journey we're at today let them see that you are on your knees and better than the knees that you were on the cross and the wine was poured out the blood was shed and you paid it and you're asking us to drink of that blood and to take forth this proposal and say yes and that from there as you go and prepare many rooms and prepare the place for us Lord that I would live on this world and live worthy of the call that when people see me they would see me dressed without spot without blemish 
that I would represent, beloved, that the bride would show his glory on the land. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would fix our dresses, our wedding dress. I pray that you would fix our garments of holiness, Lord. With every eye closed, I was talking to the 930 huddle today, and I said, Leonard Ravenhill said that the tragedy of the church is that they pursue happiness rather than holiness. And here's your bride, Lord, and we don't want to just pursue happiness, Lord. We want to pursue holiness. And we want to be holy and set apart. We want to wear the ring that tells the world that we belong to you and that you belong to us, Lord. We want to live worthy. And today, Lord, I pray for those in this room today that would make that decision and today would say yes to your proposal. And today, as he breaks bread and he gave the bread and passed it around, he says, this is my body who will be given to you. And take this and eat it and do this in remembrance of me. If you're going to take of his body and you're saying yes to him and you're accepting his proposal, I encourage you and I invite you today to take of this little cracker. Trust me, scripture says to taste and see that he is good. This cracker maybe doesn't taste that good, but taste him and see that he is good come on bride let's take of our beloved we say yes Lord. your bride says yes says yes Lord come quickly Lord revelation says that the bride and the spirit they cry yes Lord this is my new covenant this is my blood it is shed for you and yes there's a lot that happens with this blood and is happening with this blood but don't ever skip such an important imagery as this that this is my proposal to you the bridal payment would you say yes and he tells them to drink and do this in remembrance of sensitive and I want to be obedient to that before we leave but today you know that there's space for you today you know God's calling you home today you you're accepting this call and you're accepting this proposal and you just want someone to get alongside you and pray with you and believe with you and just to speak words of edification that the bride will rise up during this time and lift you up just like that picture and as we pray for one another and as people come up to the front this is what I want to pray for Lord that you would help them be dressed in holy garments that they would live their lives worthy Lord God without spot without blemish that they would live in holiness not just happiness that Lord God that they would pour out your testimony on this land as your bride touch my brother touch my sister who is asking for prayer and has 
said yes to the proposal that you would that you would work such a, a mighty work in their lives and, and that's the prayer that's what it should sound like over their lives if you need prayer I'm going to ask you to come up to the front if you want to get on your knees you can get on your knees if you want to stand stand if you want to lift up your hands if you want to sing a new song but if you need prayer that the bride is here we're going to pray alongside you and say Lord that you would give them strength and might that they would be filled with long suffering that they would prepare themselves and live worthy as you prepare a place for them. Let's go ahead and let's worship the Lord for a few minutes and I invite anyone that needs to come up specifically for that. You're more than welcome to come up and we'll pray and encourage you and speak those words and speak in faith over you. We say yes, Lord. Here's your beloved. Say yes.